see. Good to, good to see the smile on her face. What I'd like to do today is take a look at Proverbs 19, kind of going back to my uh, mini-series in Proverbs, taking a proverb each time, just to guide us in a bit of focus and meditation. 29 verses. Just going to read through them. I'd like, to, you, I'd like to have you help me read through. So um, let's just start at verse 1, and whoever likes to read, go ahead and read out loud, loud and clear. When you stop off, someone else will begin. Proverbs 19, it starts with, better is a poor person. So who'd like to start there? Whoever is gracious to the poor lends to the Lord. He will repay him for his deed. Hey, so Proverbs, normally um, Proverbs, when this section of Proverbs at least, deals with just a broad range of life topics. And uh, that's why it's good, good to kind of just cruise through and, and study through and, and read through in the day. Um, and uh, perhaps the Holy Spirit will put something um, in your mind to, to dwell on, to think on, to chew on a little bit during the week. <clears throat> Today I'm going to look at a couple different things. I was surprised at, when we read it just now how much it, it talked about poor, poor this and poor that. That came up quite a bit. And I do, I do think it kind of fits with uh, what I see as somewhat of a, a, a theme or, or some points uh, let me just say points of emphasis. I don't know if there's a um, connecting thing through everything, but there are some points of emphasis I want to bring out. The big point of emphasis is a life of integrity. A life of integrity. Uh, what it means is living for real, uh, being, being for real in, in, in all that you do, being genuine, serving God, uh, thinking of God, focusing on God in all that you do, whatever your state of life is. Um, uh, what you are on Monday is the same on Sunday. What you, what you are when you have great blessings is the same as when you suffer loss. Um, what you are in the rain is what you are in the sunshine. And so it's a life of integrity um, kind of rings here. Um, talks about honesty. Um, he speaks a lot about lying. I want to look at a couple verses that deal with honesty and, and uh, truth and, and lying. In verse 5, he says this. In fact, he says this in two different verses. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathe, breathes out lies will not escape. Now, almost the same wording in verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies will perish. Um, and then he talks about um, it's better to be poor than to, in other words, it's better to, to, to have little and to have a life of integrity than to have much and, and not be an honest um, or righteous person. So um, let's not all be led by the greater gain, the, the more money. Oftentimes we, we'll look at something and, and our, our, our main 
criteria is, will I make more money or will it bring in more money or will I have more money? And that's not always the righteous thing um, um, <clears throat> to make that your first or make that your main objective. Uh, so with that theme, oh, another thing on, on, on our honesty and our speech and lying in verse 28, it says, a worthless witness mocks at justice. The idea of a witness is a person who is in court and is supposed to speak the truth. But he's called a worthless witness because he doesn't speak the truth. And in doing so, he mocks um, justice. And, and then he says, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. So just reminding us um, how important it is for us to to be Christ-like in our speech, in our everyday speech, to, to be ones who are known to, to, to uh, speak out the truth. There's a verse um, that, that really stuck out to me that I would highlight, and that's verse 22. What is desired in a man is steadfast love. And a poor man is better than a liar. Again, he brings out this idea of a poor man. <clears throat> but but he, what he talks about is faithfulness. It's, it's what we can all attain to is faithfulness. We should all desire to be faithful in serving the Lord. Um, we, we should strive for that. Whatever our gifts are, whatever situation we are in life, faithfulness is something that we can all work towards and achieve actually um, and it's something worthwhile achieving to be faithful we <coughs> excuse me we may not always we may not always have uh, the most highlighted gift um, where we are and we don't have to God has gifted us for his pleasure but we can all be faithful in, in serving God and that gift that he's given given to us. Um, so I think um, that's important. When, when it talks about a poor man, it's really helping us see what should we emphasize in life. We should emphasize the godly uh, traits and characteristics, and that's why I use the word integrity, integrity through this whole chapter. Uh, we should emphasize those things. Those things should be most important to us. Uh, think about how we train our, our children and what are we emphasizing as importance to them? Where do we spend our time with them or what do we emphasize in terms of time? Uh, what activities are they involved in? Uh, where do we spend or what do we encourage them to spend uh, their money? Is it is it building up godly traits or is it or is it just in our physical appearance or is it just the things that 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 feed our desires make us feel something or, or whatever uh, what's our number one goal and and uh, drive um, in our life verse 14 um, really hits on that maybe in a, in a in a way you hadn't thought about it says houses 
for house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. It's really, really saying we all should value what God values most. And those things that are of, of most value are the things that money can't buy. A prudent wife would be uh, a woman who's wise and careful. Um, prudence also actually means careful uh, care in providing for the future. Um, what the saying is, you can get things and wealth. They can be given to you um, by, by your parents and, and, and there, but you should value most what God gives and that which you cannot you cannot get with um, with anything else. You can't get with money. So he talks about a, a prudent wife there. In verse 20, he talks about how we can value um, wisdom. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Um, and then there's one other thing that I wanted to bring out. Um, he, he emphasizes in this chapter um, self-control in terms of our anger. In verse 11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. I think about that when I drive, right? Somebody cuts you off, right? Uh, good sense makes one slow to anger. Like, oh man, the things I'm saying in my mind right now, what I'm feeling about this driver who just did this to me. Uh, but good sense makes me slow to anger. Not quick, not hot-headed, but slow to anger. And then he says this, um, it, is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Some offenses... <laughs> We have to overlook. We, we have to let, let them just fly over us. They're stupid. They're dumb. Uh, they're very offensive. They're like the more you dwell on, the madder you're going to get. So you got you to let that one go. Uh, verse 19 also, he says, um, a man of great wrath. Think about that, great wrath. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. And if you deliver him, you will, you will only have to do it again. It's a, it's a part of his nature, and it's a pattern of behavior now. Um, and so if he does not overcome that, he's going he's gonna to get in trouble again and again and again. You ever meet somebody like that? You know anybody like that? Uh, you probably do. You've probably seen someone like that. Let us that person, right? <laughs> let, us, let us learn. And um, in terms of our anger, it talks about self-control. Self-control is that way of realizing, first of all, I'm responsible for my actions and what I do. I can't blame that on someone else or on my circumstances. Um, I've seen people get into arguments and they just can't stop. Well, they could. They choose not to. They choose to tip themselves to the point where they, they are all in and they don't have any restraint left. Uh, and of course, that's foolish. Um, but if we're not careful, we can get to that point where we don't have any control, any self-control or restraint. Um, 
And so it's, it's, it's warning us and guiding us in, in those areas um, to, to control, put our emotions, all of them, under the Holy Spirit's control in our life and live the way that God would, would have us to live. And we do that by exercising that control. Um, <laughs> when I was young, uh, I used to watch Star Trek, and they, they um, Spock and, and the different people on Star, Star Trek, they had a, a certain hand signal that they would do, a, a greeting they would do like that, right? And when I was that young, I couldn't do that because my fingers wouldn't work that way. And so what I did was I wanted to do it so bad, I tied a rubber band around these two fingers and a rubber band around these two fingers, and if I did it long enough, I learned how to move my fingers like that. And then I can move it from one to another. My point is, we practice exercise, and we can master our physical. If we practice exercise, we can master over our emotion as well. It's a matter of practice. We don't want to practice it. We don't want to learn <laughs> the discipline of doing that. Um, but God calls us to, to bring that under his control and not just let it run wild. So anger is one of those ways that are we going to do what God wants us to do? Are we going to respond in the way that he wants us to respond? Or are we going to go in our own flesh and be out of control? Of course, this thing with our church and our furnace has brought this all up. Uh, um, every time something happens to you, you know, you, you make it personal. When it happens to me, I'm, I'm personal. I, I, I feel angry. I feel, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger pointed in the right direction um, is, is a such thing as godly anger. And there's such, certain things we ought to be angry about, but what do we do with that anger is, is what we need to, uh, to keep under the Holy Spirit's control. So what does God want us to do with that anger? What does he want us, how does he want us to uh, motivate and, and, and steer ourselves? I can just see from the lightheartedness that we had as we started service that you have dealt with those things and, and, and you are dealing with them in healthy ways. It's, it's right to want um, justice to be done, but also we have to, to be able to, um, to deal with the injustice that's been done to us and to keep ourselves under control. Um, and so that's, that's just a part of our practical exercise of self-control and uh, to have the integrity um, that God wants us to have. Good evening, saints. Going to be back in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Book of Visions. And in this book, we first saw that the glory of the Lord had appeared. And God was showing us that he is not like us. He is ferocious. He is in many ways, he's not like us, but in other ways, he is like us. He has the appearance, right? We're built in his image. But at the same time, as we're built in his image, it's kind of like we're the model of a car, right? And a model of a car can't be compared to the real car. And so it may look in some ways similar, smaller, cheaper, but it's not the same. And it's the same with man and God, except maybe in an infinite way. In chapter 2, we saw that 
the Holy Spirit empowered the prophet to receive God's word. And we saw the challenge of receiving God's word. And in chapter 3, the prophet was called to be a watchman. In chapters 4 and 5, we saw the prophet illustrating a siege through examples. One example he gave was he, he ate food in such a way that it looked like he was prepared for a siege. And then in the next chapter, he shaved his head. Right? And then he, he threw the hairs different places and he, he emphasized that God will be judging the people. And then in the next two chapters, chapter 6 and chapter 7, which we're going to look at today, we're going to see idolatry rebuked. And uh, like your dad was talking about anger and a good use for it. We're going to see it in this chapter, Ezekiel 6. And starting at verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face towards the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills and to the ravines and the valleys. Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you, and I will destroy your high places. Your altars shall become desolate, and your incense altars shall be broken. And I will cast down your slain before your idols. And I will lay the dead bodies of the people of Israel before your idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. Wherever you dwell, the cities shall be waste, and the high places ruined so that your altars will be waste and ruined, your idols broken and destroyed, your incense altars cut down, and your works wiped out. And the slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yet I will leave some of you alive. When you have, a, when you have among the nations some who escape the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, then those who will escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. I have been, how I have been broken over their whoring heart that is departed from me, and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed, for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I will do this evil to them. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hands and stamp your feet and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by the famine, and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die of pestilence, and he who is near shall fall by the sword, and he who is left in his preserve shall die of famine. Thus I will spend my fury on them, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain, life among, their slain lie among their idols around their altars, on every high hill, on all the mountain tips, tops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offer pleasing aroma to all their idols. And I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate and waste in all their dwelling places, from the wilderness to Ribla. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The things that's cool about the prophets is that you hear God speaking directly to you. Right? In other places you might say, and God would say this. God wants you to do this. But in the prophets, God speaks directly, and he tells the prophet, and the prophet just writes down his encounter with God. And you kind of get this deep, this deep conversation, and you almost get to be almost like a gossip. 
where you get to hear this high-level conversation that's going on between a prophet who is a highly ranked man of God, and then you got God just speaking unedited, uncut, right? And some of the stuff, one of the reasons that we have it a hard time understanding the prophets is because when you hear the prophets, you get God without any filter, right? You're just getting it straight to you. There's nothing added, right? And it's hard to take sometimes because God is so direct about what he wants and what he's thinking about man and what he thinks about sin. And sometimes when we think about ourselves, we be like, man, is God thinking like that about me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And it's hard for us to sometimes handle it because getting close to the prophets is like getting close to fire, right? Sometimes you yourself get burned. And it's like when you meet with people who work around fire a lot, they know how to handle themselves. They dress a certain way, right? They walk a certain way. Their skin starts to take on a certain tinge. It's almost like Moses. Moses used to be around God all the time. What happened to Moses? He started to look a little different. So when you get near the prophets, you got to be ready because you are having to get close to God and you might not be ready for it. And in Ezekiel 6, it starts off when the word of the Lord came to me. I think one thing we have to take in this is, again, it's many people dream, oh, I wish I was a prophet. I'm not quite so sure that many people should dream about that. Because when the Lord comes to you, he just comes to you. Imagine Samuel probably dreamed that when he was a little kid. Oh, that'd be cool to be a prophet. Hey, Samuel, here's your first prophecy. You know that guy that looks after you like a father? Yeah, him getting rid of them. All right, tell them in the morning. That's the prophecy? That's the prophecy? You think John wanted to see a prophecy of the end? So the prophet is being told some things about his own people. And I think I could just separate it into three main points. First thing is this. False worship leads to death. Right? That's an indirect way of putting it. A direct way of putting it is this. If you don't worship God, God will kill you. False worship leads to death. Incidentally, it leads to death, right? You do the wrong thing, you worship the wrong God, there are bad consequences for you. Right? You worship Allah, you might think it's good to strap a bomb to yourself. But when you wake up, and your eyes are facing God, and it's not quite the God you thought. Or maybe you meditate to the point of nirvana, and you think you're going to be like Buddha, but when you get up there, there's no Buddha. Different religions, they lead to a false path. That's one way of putting it. Or another way, more direct way of putting it is, if you don't worship God, he will kill you. He will. I know that's a very direct way of putting it. And maybe it's a hard way to receive it. But the reason I say that is we need to understand that the actor of our justice or our judgment is our God. It's not like hell is some neutral place and he just happened to send you there. He wish he, you know, he didn't want it to exist either. 
you just happened to slide in there and he couldn't get you in time. That's not how it is. And it's not that God is happy about hell, but the truth is that God did create hell. It wouldn't exist if he didn't create it. The truth be told, he's the one who establishes righteous rules. He's the one that establishes righteous standard. He's the one that said only Jesus' death will pay for sins. He's the one that said, I will not sweep sins under the rug. He's the one that says, when you stand before me, you will be naked. He's the one that says, I can peer into the thoughts and the hearts and the minds, and I take all that into account. He's that one. So, who judges you? Who judges you? It's my sins that judge me. No, listen. Your sins, yeah, they, they, they may bring God's anger, but it's ultimately God's anger that will do you in. Here's the second point. When God judges, God is so merciful. God is so merciful. He leaves a remnant. And he starts to describe what repentance looks like. And the first thing that he talks about with repentance is this idea of they will be broken. Right? He says they will loathe themselves. In other words, they'll be humble. They will look at themselves and say, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe that was us. You ever had that thought since you've been saved? You look back, you're like, I can't believe I was living like that. I can't believe I was talking like that. I can't believe I thought about people like that. Every once in a while, I think back on myself. Sometimes you think back on old stuff that don't have to do with being saved. Like when I didn't know how to talk to girls and I talked to girls when I was in high school, I'd be embarrassed secondhand about my old memories. Like, I can't believe that was how I thought would work. But sometimes you look back and you're like, I can't believe I thought that about God. I can't believe I thought that about myself. What was I thinking? Praise God for his mercy. How did I get here? How did this happen? The other thing about repentance is they will know the Lord, it says. And lastly, he says, they will realize that I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. In other words, they'll take God's word seriously. It's for real to them. The last point in this passage is to be angry. To be angry. Look what he says in verse 11. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hands and stamp your feet and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, or they shall fall by the sword, by the famine, and by pestilence. You should be angry that people are throwing themselves into the mouth of hell. You should be angry that people are wasting their lives. Now, I'm not saying that you should get angry and you should waste your anger and start yelling at people and doing silly stuff. But the anger should motivate you to say, my goodness, what? how destructive sin is. How destructive we can be to ourselves. But the last thing I want to look at in this chapter is, you ever notice any repeated phrases in here? Look at verse 7. He says, you shall know that I am the Lord. And then, look at verse 10. 
and they shall know that I am the Lord. And then verse 14, then they will know that I am the Lord. Why is God doing these things? We just read a proverb today. It says, essentially, it says something to the effect of, if you strike a scoffer, the simple will understand. And the wise man will grow wiser still. Why does God judge? Why does he let us see it? Because there's still some hope for everybody else. <laughs> if you see a fool run a red light and he get hit, couldn't you learn from that? Or do you got to be the one to end up in the hospital alone? They say a foolish man learns from his own mistakes. Well, a foolish man can't learn from his own mistakes. A normal man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from other people's mistakes. What's it going to be? But we'll leave it with that. Let's learn who the Lord is. But let's learn it by other people facing his judgment. Let's not forget.